If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Boom! All right, we are now in the podcast section of Slightly Civil War, the podcast that comes after Slightly Civil War, E3. I've never cared for it. No, I didn't used to until I went there in person, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I always did my yearly E3 video that was usually just, I'd usually just piece together from watching uh, the relevant trailers and stuff that got put out. Mm -hmm. But I have to admit, the year I actually went there for real, which was the last year they had a real one, because, of course, this year they couldn't do one because of, indirectly because of President Trump, and we all hate him. It's true. And I have to, I had to admit, I had a good time. It was an exhausting time, but it was in, I look back on it as a good time. Hmm. You wake up at six, get to the uh, convention center, and then you, I'd have a, like a stacked schedule from morning to evening, running from one booth to the next that we'd booked time with to get uh, hype splattered at us. <laughs> but it was the in-betweeny <laughs> moments that really made it, you know? Mm -hmm. Hanging out with people in your industry, your peers chatting about things you all know a lot about mm -hmm. i so rarely get a chance to do that in public in my everyday life i i suppose like that is a positive aspect is is the networking and meeting your peers not Which is the point of every convention i i would argue and that's why a convention for everything is necessary and that's why we have them I, I suppose I, I I can relent a little bit on that point from the from the presenter's standpoint, though, I like I have always just waited until the presentation is over and then someone posts a list of all the things that were announced. OK, yeah, this yeah, is, it's, yeah. It's, it's way much. It's way easier to ingest that information than sifting through the hype gargle. Well, it was uh, no less uh, of a gargle being there in person in the audience right it was but it was just um there are still details you miss i suppose just looking at the the videos bit by bit mm -hmm. i mean it's not like being in the audience makes you succumb to the hype immediately i could feel <laughs> the cynicism radiating off all the journalists sitting around me <laughs> <laughs> with everything we saw and as i said it was really only the fanboys that were deliberately seated at the front doing right. the cheering so you Being... were you were offering the counter hype yeah i guess that was why we were there <laughs> we were stopping them from like breaking the the walls down <laughs> sure sure and and so, so it wasn't so being there didn't like uh overtake me with the hype and make me see things as better than they were mm-hmm and uh, there were a lot of there were a lot of details that might have slipped by as irrelevant to as as generally irrelevant mm -hmm. but that uh, you have no choice but to absorb because you're stuck there mm. so if you're just like looking at digests of the salient points you might miss say a really interesting indie game that only you would be interested in sure or you might uh, miss Keanu Reeves getting on stage saying like 10 words and getting off stage 
And I think I mean, that part you could miss. Like that, that, yeah, that, that part that would, that would probably be very easily missed. Right. And then um, you wouldn't have had the thought that, blimey, I wonder how much they paid him just to do that. <laughs> sure. Sure. I don't know. Like I've, I've really enjoyed this year. I feel like this year without E3, we've gotten a lot less information. Like, you know, we, there's a lot we still don't know in cons and the next generation of consoles are coming out very soon. But I feel like, like things like their, their internal tech spec presentation is something they might not have released to a wider audience without the lack of e3 and there there we got a lot of really interesting meaty information i'm talking about the uh, the playstation 5 little presser where they talked about like the the solid state hard drive advancements the new audio technology that sort of thing is not necessarily so, like that sort of dry info dump isn't something they, that they would put out there to the general public without needing to Without needing a stopgap because they don't have the dancing girls and the confetti cannons. You know what I think? We talk about E3 being the, the chance for the evil corporate side of the industry to try and enslave us with their hype. Mm-hmm. But the, I equally get the impression that the corporations kind of resent having to be involved with E3. <laughs> you think? I mean, Nintendo stopped going. Mm-hmm. Uh, many there have been many years where one major company or another boycotted the show for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Sony was like virtually absent from the last E3. I think I think the corporations like I think it's good for to like oblige the corporations to put on their dancing shoes and come out and feel obliged to impress us every now once in a while. I feel like they have to put on their dancing shoes and impress us with the products they put out. Well, quite. <laughs> but uh, I feel a lot of the the uh, press in a lot of the the way the corporations try to have the media these days is that they just want us they just want to say here's our product and then everyone buys it. <laughs> I feel like they don't want to have to put the work in. I suppose that's fair. Like it would be a lot easier for them just to put out a few pre-edited videos and that's all the information they put out. Uh, and then that's all that the media has to go off of. I think, you know, we're also, we're also seeing a bit of a downside of that, which is that like there, there's, there's not a ton of abject hype for the next gen of consoles, even though they're so close to us. So maybe they're learning that lesson without E3 is they don't have their hype generation machine. But also I feel like they 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 don't have they don't have much. COVID has has put a, a pause button on just about everything. Well, true. I do genuinely believe the point that I made that a prestigious show for video games is good for the image of video games generally. Hmm. In the world of culture. I mean if you know that there's a convention for people who really like um, uh, The Last Train, the short-lived apocalyptic British uh, sci-fi drama, mm-hmm. and you heard it took place at like a, a Holiday Inn and like five people showed up, you'd think, oh, it must be only pathetic people who like The Last Train, the short-lived sci-fi apocalyptic drama. But the fact that video games have this enormous blowout in the middle of LA, taking over the whole convention center with posters covering the entire sides of buildings. Sure. People look at that and think, wow, video games are here to stay. They are a, they are a thing. Video games are a thing. 
Sure. Much like, you know, the Oscars, you know, the Oscars, while it, it is an award show, it is the Oscars is more a commercial for the movie industry in general than it is an award show. Exactly. And uh, uh, it's not yeah. like E3 is the only video game convention thing, just as there's also the Cannes Film Festival that celebrates the artistry of films. We also have things like GDC that's focused more on developers than media. Right. I guess like my 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 problem with that my problem with that is that like video games have been the dominant entertainment industry for the past I want to say they overtook movies like 5 years ago probably well, before then actually I think it was <laughs> I think it was when GTA 4 came out they were saying that it had like the biggest launch weekend of any form of entertainment Oh sure sure well and I I I just mean like total gross like total money coming into video games has outpassed that coming in from our former most popular form of entertainment which is movies a long time ago mm-hmm. and so like but but video gamers those of us who grew up when video gaming was still like a weirdo thing that you did alone in your basement like we still feel like we're the underdog when in fact we are the biggest form of entertainment on the planet and well, there's a lot of facets to video games. Yeah. The kind of games we like aren't the biggest form of entertainment <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> the biggest form of entertainment on the planet is shit like Fortnite and GTA mm-hmm. and the highest, most visible level of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there aren't building-sized posters for Undertale or Return of the Obradin. There, there. You can find Undertale merchandise at Target. Like that, it's huge now. I think really um, now that now that I've said that, well, I'm going to have to look that up now. <laughs> now that I've said that, I should probably look it up. All right, I'm um, going going to target.com. Merch. Target.com. I'm going to Amazon.com. Oh, I mean, you'll find. Oh, um, yeah, you can, well, you can get T-shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. You can get a Temi plush. Only nine left in stock, though. Order soon. You can get... Uh, for some reason, I typed in Undertale, and I got, like, Cuphead bobbleheads. The official Undertale coloring book. <laughs> Where is that? It's on Amazon. There you go. It's paperback. You can get it free delivery by Sunday if you got Prime. There you go. A little a little Sans, a little sans uh, coloring book. But I suppose, like, that's... that's my My point is that, you know... And apparently, by the way, I could not find any Undertale merchandise at Target. But you know, Five Nights at Freddy's—that sort of that sort of stuff. There's that a was, lot of that was a that was a weird anomaly. Five Nights at Freddy's really was. I think it became a sort of media figure on the strength of visual design alone. The game—I don't think it was. <laughs> the game wasn't really up to much. No, no, it's just spooky puppets. We all yeah. we like spooky puppets. Stream bait. I'd call it like the original stream bait. Mm, mm, I like that. I, I think that's really fair. But but like it's it's there. It's there in in every section of our life now. And so you know, do we need the party? Do we need the expo? Yes, because <laughs> that's what sets the standard. That's what sets the flagpole. 
Everything else is could that everything else is compared to. Something has to be at the far end of things. Because mm-hmm. otherwise the far end of things will creep back until it's back to being a dorky shitty thing that only the dorks like. <laughs> Something has to be pushing the boat out or the boat will drift right back in, my friend. Uh, yeah, um, I just, I don't like it. I don't like it that it's run by the corporations. That's that's my problem with it. If we had uh, something like the Oscars, where, you know, video game producers and directors and writers were voting for the best in their field, that would be something amazing. I don't think that's how the, the video game awards work. The game awards? The game awards. I don't think the game awards works like that. Uh, I think it has a lot of, like, video game insiders on the jury and stuff. Oh, is that how it works? But I I think it is very uh, big, corporate, publisher-friendly. Right. Let me just check what the most recent winners of that were. Is that that coming up soon, or has that already happened this year? I don't don't pay too much attention. Soon find out. Mm. The Game Awards 2020... Oh, actually, they're due for December 10th. Oh. And they're going to be virtual, obviously. Obviously. So let's let's go back to 2019. Okay, um, who is the big winners for the Game Awards? Game Awards 2019. Uh, game of the Year was Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Really? Yes. Huh. You huh. say that like I've uh, undermined your point or something. Well, oh no, I just uh, that that's just in general like that was the best game last year. I wonder if that Apparently, was the uh, runners-up were Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil Two, Make, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and The Outer Worlds. Really? Yeah. Well, a lot of these yeah. awards is basically just the nominations are richest cunts in the room. <laughs> and I, I wonder if like Sekiro won if they uh, if they Martin Scorsese did. Like, famously, uh, Scorsese's first Oscar was for Gangs of New York, right? And a lot of people felt like he just got it for that because it was like, sorry, we kind of ignored you for your entire career. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, there's a lot of weird categories in the Game Awards. Mm-hmm. There's best, there's Game of the Year, then there's Best Game Direction. Okay. Whatever, whatever that means, it's apparently not the same thing as Game of the Year because uh, Death Stranding won that. Okay, but I could see that. That makes perfect sense because Death Stranding has an incredibly strong directorial voice, even though the game as a whole isn't necessarily the best. <laughs> no, yeah, I know what you mean. It is so, uh, clearly an it is clearly an auteur game. Exactly. So yeah, that actually makes a ton of sense. <laughs> Control got nominated for a lot of stuff. Hmm. I've heard very good things. How did you like Control, or did you not like Control? It was all right. I didn't think it was amazing. Hmm. I'm not sure it was uh, best art direction material, which is what it won. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Death Stranding came second. Oh. The nominees for like all these major awards are pretty much all the same. Yeah. Sekiro, Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, and Outer Worlds. And then I'm sure they have some sort of like token indie category, right? Yes, they yeah. have... What's uh, in the indie category? Best independent game. The winner was Disco Elysium. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, that was my game of the year as well. <laughs> well, then there, then there you go. Here's the, here's the weird one. They got a category for Games for Impact. I've never understood what that meant. Oh, okay. 
So I guess who who won Games for Impact? If it is what I'm thinking it is. What do you think it is? I would say like if a Fortnite came out that year, it would be something like Fortnite. Well, you're in completely wrong. Okay. Fortnite won best ongoing game. I guess that means best live service game. Okay. The winner, of games, the winner of Games for Impact was Grease. Do you remember Grease? G-R-I-S? Gris? Yes. I used to say Gree, but someone pointed out that the developer was Spanish, so it's probably meant to be Grease. I've heard of it. I've never played it. <laughs> games well, for I, Impact. I thought it was a, sort of a pretentious, uh, arty-fartsy indie game. Okay, so... It- Games for Impact is the most arty fartiest. What else? What else was nominated in that category? Now, uh, now I want a better sea understanding. Of, sea of Solitude, Life is Strange Two. Yep. Okay. All right. Kind yep, yep. words that I've never heard of and doesn't even have a Wikipedia link. <laughs> and uh, Concrete Genie. I don't know that one either. So well, yeah, it does have a Wikipedia link. Although yeah, I haven't played that. So that's best arty farty category. Apparently, yeah. Games for Impact. I think in previous years they called that Games for Change. Mm. And when they called it that, I was like, what? Are you saying these are like games that say a message or games that can be bought with a small number of coins? Because there's a lot of games like that. A lot of dollar games on Steam. Way way back in the day, way back in the early days of the Oscars, they they had actually kind of two separate categories for best picture uh one was like uh most artistic and one uh, another one was basically like biggest blockbuster and so like like a category for like who changed how we think about movies and who just did so well for movies in general that we're going to celebrate them so that's Mm -hmm. what i thought games for impact was uh but apparently not well I guess the Game Awards aren't totally taken over by our corporate masters. Mm-hmm. I mean, they best independent game Disco Elysium. That's uh, acknowledging the arty indies. Sure, but but that's also like that's also like giving them their own like corner to stay in. Like you uh, know, yeah, I, sp- <laughs> I suppose you're right. I mean, Call of Duty Modern Warfare won best audio design, <laughs> which I guess falls under. Let's. <laughs> Let's randomly pick something to give a prize to the richest cunt in the room again. Exactly. Whereas, like, I'm sure there you could back a dump truck up to them with games with better audio design, though they might be indie games. And so, no, like, yeah, yeah, no, no, we're really artistic. Just over here. Look, there's all of our artistic stuff. Now back yeah. to the big bucks. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> all the nominees for best audio design were like big AAA games. Mm. Gears 5. It's the only place Gears 5 was nominated for anything. Of course. Which I fully support. Mm. There's a lot of, like, different awards for separate genres. Best action game, best action adventure game, which have different winners and different nominees. Okay. figure figure that one out. (laughs) Best role-playing game, which Disco Elysium won as well. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So there. And it was going up against Kingdom Hearts 3, Final Fantasy XIV, Monster Hunter World, Iceborne, and The Outer Worlds. Hmm. So it won against some big lads. Okay, okay. So, I, yeah, I guess the Game Awards are still got some arty spirit in there. I suppose. I, d- I do wonder how, you know, how the judges are chosen. I know, like, for, and, you know, this is just where my knowledge lies. I know that for 
uh, for the Oscars, you have to be like in the director's guild mm. uh, to then vote for best director. Tell you what I don't get is like one of the awards is content creator of the year. And I've seen this in previous years and it's always like five dudes I've never heard of. Okay. I think that's for like popular YouTubers. Sure, sure. The winner was someone named Michael Shroud Grzesiak. I'm sure they're great at creating content. Uh, Apparently he's a Canadian former professional CSGO player. Okay, so he probably has like a Twitch channel and a YouTube yeah, channel. Yeah. Yeah, that's for like streamers, YouTubers, those sorts of lads. Yeah, and really all really all that's doing is getting them to talk about the game awards. Is getting like your biggest audience mouthpieces to talk about the game awards. Yeah. <laughs> that would be- these are the these are the anonymously popular streamers that millions of people watch despite being really generic dudes. Sure. Sure. That's uh, I don't know if you've uh, if you've been out lately, but people love really generic dudes. Like, love them. They're taking dollars away from us wacky personalities with weird accents. They sure are, but man, Marky Mark Wahlberg is raking it in. He's just, a, just an ordinary dude, man. I should start a union. You should a union for wacky personas with funny accents. Jim Sterling can come as well. It's just, it's just you and Jim at this point. <laughs> like maybe, oh, there's a there's a few. There's a few. Get you know a bomber guy in there. Mm. Get um. Oh, hate bomber guy hates my guts. I think. Oh, you think? Yeah, oh. he's called me out in videos before. Oh uh, well, he's got an accent. Shame. I like his videos. <laughs> now I'm now I'm going to guilt him. <laughs> well, there. Yeah, who else we know has got an accent? <laughs> who else can join your union? Uh, um, Varty Vidya. Mm. He does like Dark Souls content. Oh, I don't it's know. That got a very like chill Australian accent. Yeah. Okay. Are we getting off topic? We might be I getting inc- off topic. We're incredibly. I get what what my point is is I I can concede and be with you that having some sort of big prestigious event where everyone gathers is a good idea i i think we can look to something more like like uh like pax which is more developer focused and more like or pax is more like gamer focused gdc which is very developer focused i love every every time uh, gdc is over and they start dumping all of their game talks uh i love sifting through them that's that's so fantastic I haven't been to a PAX, or have I? I think I went to one PAX, but I don't remember much about it. Ah, okay. I was only like on the f- on the fringe of it. Mm-hmm. And I went to one GDC. GDC was more interesting because I got to hang out with game developers, mm-hmm. took part in round tables about game writing. It was fun and interesting to go to as a professional. Sure. And I guess like... Like we have it all. Like you know, we have things for gamers, we have things for creators, and we have big, big spectacular shows made by the big spectacular companies. Uh, you know, it's just not something I care for. That's fine, <laughs> but it's still, as I say, it's still necessary to have that center, to have that, mm. to have that high end of the spectrum. Mm. Mm. I, I. I guess I don't disagree with you, but I'm well, going to grumble about well, it. That's the end of that podcast, then. Really? Yeah, it is. I've, <laughs> I've ta- I talked you around, and therefore I win. 
Mm. All right, Man. back to Game Awards. Man, Death Stranding was <laughs> Death Stranding had the most nominations. Like it had ten nominations. Control had eight. If I were to pick two games from 2019 to get the most award recognition, it probably wouldn't have been those two. Hmm. Death Stranding. It's a weird one to just pick up on as like the big AAA event of the year. But it's it is like it's a big AAA game that's also weird and arty. I suppose. But and I get- it was so polarizing though. <laughs> a lot of people just found it really boring because it is. Because it is. Yeah. And that's a lot of people find arty things weird and boring a lot. So what are you going to do? Right. That's that's the nature of it. But and I, I suppose I and I haven't played Control, but I've heard very similar things about Control that it's it's, you know, a shooter, but it has this arty wallpaper over it. It's um, it's a weird one. Mm. I describe it as weirdly emotionally cold for a like big cock action game okay you're this uh lady in this like very pristine white uh, office environment and you're like doing insane violence throwing like concrete blocks at people and Mm -hmm. shooting them it's a weird contrast of tones Hmm. but is that is that part of the point is that part of the theming it might well be (laughs) <laughs> but uh, the fact is i struggle to remember much about it uh-huh. in retrospect yeah well and like usually the things that win or are nominated for the most awards have to be that mixture of big budget triple a with like an arty farty undertone ask me what the name of the main character was in control what was the name character of control's name i don't remember but do you remember the main character of Death Stranding? Yes, it was Norman Reedus. No! Norman Reedus in a space suit. Norman Reedus and his fantastic fetus. No, what was his name? Sam, you remember. Sam Porter Bridges. It took. I had to stall a little bit, but I remembered. Yes. His name's <laughs> Sam Porter Bridges. Because he's a porter who goes over bridges, bridges and that yes. is arty as fuck, my friend. <laughs> Seems a bit on the nose for Artie. Yes, yes it is. It's very, it very much is. <laughs> That's why well, I love it. It's Kojima. Exactly. Know. Kojima, the man who gave us a villain whose face looked like a skull, whose name was Skullface. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just beautiful? I guess there's a Saturday morning cartoon simplicity to it. Mm-hmm. There really is. Don't forget about the girl who doesn't make any noise. Whose name, name is Quiet. Quiet, yeah. Jesus. And has her tits out most Isn't of the time. Right on out there. Uh, but so, yeah, like I, knowing that Death Stranding got most of the nominations is not surprising in the least. I suppose if they were trying like affect this image of prestige mm-hmm. by like nominating a game that with an arty side yes. and sort of leaving stuff like borderlands 3 and destiny 2 to be shunned down to the bottom of the multiple nominations list with just two nominations each yes yeah that's exactly what you do but but you can't go full arty farty like all the the weirdo indie games that you know explore death and depression like those because those are too low profile no one will have heard of those 
Well, maybe you could give them a higher profile. You're the media. That's not how it works. You can only talk about things people already know and want you to talk about. Right. Because people then, are so terrified of things they've never heard of. It's, they're not terrified. They're something even worse. They're indifferent. Oh, God. Lord, save us from the indifference. Lord, save us from the indifference. Well, that's why you pepper in the obscure with your with your indie, best indie game. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, on the multiple nominations list, you got Disco Elysium, you got uh-huh. uh, Outer Wilds, you yep. got Grease. <laughs> yeah, like Outer Wilds is probably the best of like the the arty fart like highest profile arty farty fuck games sayonara wild hearts i have no idea what that is but it got three noms somehow what there's so many games there's so many games out there i think that's beautiful i guess beautiful there's just so many games um all right let's rope this back let's rope this back a little bit on E3 and its relevant nature. I don't know if we've fully discussed yet like how they're handling it this year with with you know little presentations, uh game presentations. They recently uh PlayStation 5 did a hardware breakdown, an official tear apart of the PlayStation 5, which I thought was really neat. Like like that's really cool cuz I I'm a tech person and so I'm into stuff like that. Hmm. And I I like that when they take apart their crap and show you how it all fits inside. I think that's great. I just want to put games in. I want to plug in the box and put a game in and play it. (laughs) And that's fair, but, you know, I think what they're doing this year, giving us little bits of information here or there, is very nice and digestible. And it doesn't really matter... Whether you're playing or, you know, or unveiling a console at E3 or unveiling it via video, most consumers have either already made up their mind on when they're going to buy it or are waiting until actual reviewers get their hands on it anyway. I think you're still looking at this from an insider's perspective. I mean, you said yourself, there seems to be substantially less interest in the new consoles this year. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the people in the know who have an investment obviously keep up on the information but without a big event like e3 mm-hmm. part of what makes it big is that all the big uh, producers and developers time their announcements around the same time so they all feed off each other's exposure mm-hmm. then the new consoles have less of an exposure with joe six-pack yeah. and that might be might just be because of covid keeping everyone indoors but it i could just as easily be because there wasn't an e3 this year well, it's it's probably a soup, a soup of factors, you know, like COVID, not only keeping everyone indoors, but keeping everyone's wallet firmly closed as, you know. Uh, yeah, because everyone's unemployed except for the evil corporations that have made more money somehow. And we are on our way to the evil cyberpunk future. Uh, crazy. Uh, and then, of course, you know, on the production side of thing, I'm sure production has slowed down for the consoles and for the games and for everything that was supposed to come out with them. So I think it's a it's a super factors. And and yeah, if you know, unfortunately, there's no like what if there was no what if there was no covid from for what we know now, if there was an E3 this year, 
one of the big questions is like, what would they have shown us? They they almost have no games coming out for the consoles. The hardware themselves are basic upgrades. It I think if they had E three this year with what we know, it would have been an incredibly lame E three. Maybe so, but it would still have been an E three. Mm. It would still have been a certain baseline of hype. It would have been a death rattle. No. <laughs> I, think I think we'd all feel a little better because uh, the people who like the hype like the hype and the people who like feeling superior about not being into the hype feel superior. It's You know, we feel superior because we've never been invited. And so, you know, but as soon as we are invited, it's like, oh, yeah, this is a fun time. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> well, I <laughs> certainly great. demonstrated that. <laughs> but I would caution against judging E3 as I did for so many years until mm. you've actually been to one. Ah, uh, I don't know. I think that's that's part of the that's part of the glory. There was um there's a mania. There's a mania that goes along with that. For uh a, a few years ago, there there's a, a thing down in uh in Illinois. I'm I'm at the kind of the southern end of Wisconsin. So right below me is Illinois, and in Evanston's Illinois just a few hours away from me, there is a wonderful thing called the Bee Fest. And what it is, is, is uh, 24 hours straight of bad movies. That sounds exhausting. It's it's terrible. And and it's uh, it's in like a, a, a college auditorium. Uh, so like there's no place to sleep. Uh, it's on a college campus. So they lock the doors. So you go to these things because you hate yourself. Is that it? What I'm saying is it was a wonderful experience and, you know, like the mania that goes along with it is everybody kind of trapped in this one area. You're all there for one goal, feeding off of each other's energy, going out into the hallway and just literally sleeping next to a garbage can because that's the only empty spot, only to wake up and watch, you know, plan nine from outer space and at three in the morning. There is a mania. There is a an energy that is at an event like that, I, I'm sure very similar to E3, that clouds one's judgment. Well, booze clouds your judgment and people still voluntarily drink a lot of it. Right? <laughs> Sometimes it's, I mean, why be sniffy about having passion about something? So we all <laughs> a bit go a bit mad. It's nice to go a bit mad about things now and again. Well, I guess what I that was me trying to be that was a bit of an olive branch is me saying, like, I understand why people have a good time there. But I also understand that, like, it it might not necessarily like it might not necessarily be the best thing in general. I also I'm, I don't do well in uh, large crowds. Right. Just in general. I don't like being around that many people. Yeah, it's funny. It's hard to say it was it's simultaneously a a good time and one of the worst times of your life. Because it's so exhausting and busy. Uh-huh. And then you've got like a stacked schedule mm-hmm. all day. You've got half an hour for lunch and then you've got to get all the way across the, the campus to watch a five-minute demo of something you don't give a shit about. And then you've got to interview <laughs> the director of Shenmue 3 and it's really awkward. <laughs> but I also got to interview John Romero and Suda 5-1 and I look back on that thinking... Blimey, what the fuck was I doing? Uh-huh. Why did I not collapse with anxiety at the thought that I was interviewing Suda 5-1? Because <laughs> sure. we were all 
like strung out on energy bars and Red Bull. <laughs> you were you were drunk off of the off of the energy of chaos. And that's nice sometimes. And I, I look back on fair. it with absolutely no regrets. Hmm. I'm glad I had that experience in my life. I hope to have that experience again in the future when all this bullshit stops. Yay! Bullshit stops. Let's say a prayer for the bullshit stopping. And on that note, perhaps we should wrap up this podcast. <laughs> hey, I'm on fire today. You did it. You wrapped it up. Thanks, everybody who is watching. watching. Thanks, everyone who is watching and or listening to this podcast that comes after slightly watching. civil war. I like watching. Yes. You're watching and listening at the same time. It's a portmanteau. You've coined a word. It's the watching. Perfect. Uh, well, hey, thanks everyone for watching. Uh, we really appreciate it when you stick around and listen to us babble and get lost uh, in our own thought mazes. I've been Jack Packard. And I was Yahtzee Croshaw and presumably still am. Uh, we can only hope. Uh, remember, if you're just listening to this, this episode was Is E3 Still Relevant? You can go watch that on escapistmagazine.com. Uh, you can support us via the Escapist Plus program, or you can support us via a YouTube membership. Either way, we enjoy that support or just watching and or listening, a.k.a. watching. Thanks so much. See you next time. Bye.